Hello and welcome back to another episode of the It's a Crime O'Clock Somewhere podcast. This is episode 125. Today I will be talking about a 2008 Wisconsin murder. As you may know, I'm from Wisconsin and have never heard of this case before. My sources for today's episode are an episode of Stolen Voices, Buried Secrets, Season 2, Episode 24, titled Night Shift Nightmare, wasadailyherald.com, archive.jsonline.com, and wsaw.com. As usual, all of my sources will be linked in today's show notes. My family moved to a small town to get away from all the bad you find in a big city. And in a lot of ways, Tomahawk, Wisconsin was the ideal place. But evil lurks everywhere. And it turns out, my town was no different. I thought I could escape before it was too late. But someone was hiding in the darkness, just waiting to pull me into it. Today's case takes place in Tomahawk, Wisconsin. Tomahawk is located in Lincoln County, Wisconsin, and as of 2020, the population was about 3,441. Tomahawk is about three hours away from my hometown in Wisconsin. Today's victim that we'll be speaking about is Rochelle Anderson. She was born on December 26, 1982 to her parents, Randall and Carla. She was described as outgoing, fun, and feisty. Rochelle's mom, Carla, said that Rochelle would tend to hang out with the wrong people. She had a lot of friends that weren't the best influences on her, and she fell in with the wrong crowd. But at age 23, she turned her life around when she had her daughter, Isabel. She decided to go back to school and get a better job, and she wanted to be able to provide for herself and her daughter. Rochelle got a part-time job at a local gas station in Tomahawk. She would work the night shift and close the station down around 9 p.m. each night. On March 22, 2008, Rochelle really didn't want to go to work, but she decided to go because she needed to support herself and Isabel. Around 11.15 p.m., an officer realized that the gas station was still open and Rochelle's car was in the parking lot. The officers were very familiar with Rochelle and they knew that the gas station usually closed around 9 p.m. The officer walked to the front door and looked inside, but there was no one inside the gas station. Around the back in the bathroom of the gas station, he found an unconscious female lying on the sidewalk. There was a lot of blood Rochelle Anderson, who was now 25, had been beaten and stabbed to death. Rochelle had fought her attacker. There were broken pieces of a knife around her body, and there was blood inside and around the bathroom. At the time, the Tomahawk Police Department had seven officers, so the chief of police, Don Johnson, contacted the Wisconsin Department of Justice. The police realized that money from the cash register had been taken, a computer had been stolen, and cigarettes from behind the register had also been taken it was clear that it had been a robbery gone wrong. The police were able to collect several fingerprints and palm prints from the bathroom. The first suspect that the police spoke to was Rochelle's ex, Jasper. They had tried to make things work, especially for their daughter, Isabel. Jasper had a criminal history, mostly involving drugs. He became a person of interest. They were high school sweethearts, but they had a rocky relationship almost from the start. They eventually split for good when Isabel was only a few months old. The police went to speak to Jasper, but he hadn't been home at the time. He was eventually pulled over by a sheriff's deputy for speeding. Jasper said he had been out of town several hours away from Tomahawk at the time. He said he had learned about what had happened to Rochelle through a phone call and came back to the area. 
He had been visiting relatives and they corroborated his story. The police still compared his fingerprints to the ones found in the gas station bathroom. They weren't a match and he was eliminated. The police spoke to several people and compared their fingerprints to the samples. One of these individuals was a teenager named Derek. He lived so close to the gas station that he could see it from his bedroom window. Derek claimed that he had been home during the time of the murder. He said he had heard some kind of disturbance and he heard several male voices and saw them getting into a tan four-door sedan. A woman eventually came forward with a tip about the four-door sedan. The man who drove the sedan was a person who was known for getting into trouble with the law. The woman had told the police that this man had been planning a robbery of a gas station. He had spoken of his plans shortly before Rochelle was killed, and he had also been planning to use a knife. The police went to, went to the suspect's house. He wasn't home, but his tan sedan was in the garage. The police found blood smears on the outside of the car, and this man's girlfriend was located as well. She said he had left the area and was headed towards Milwaukee and wanted to go into California. A statewide bolo, Be On The Lookout, was put out for the suspect. He had been staying with various family members near Milwaukee, Wisconsin. The police were tracking his cell phone, and multiple police agencies were doing surveillance on him and his family members. When the police caught up to this man, he admitted to knowing Rochelle, but denied being involved in her murder. He said he had fled the area because he had a warrant out for him. He admitted that the blood on his car was from his girlfriend. He had an alibi and was eventually cleared as a suspect. It was a devastating blow to Rochelle's family. They had hoped that her case would not become unsolved. A few months later, the police turned their attention back to Derek Domke. He was the teenager that lived near the gas station. Derek told the police that he had no problems with giving a sample of his fingerprints, but wanted to speak to his dad first. However, the police never actually collected a sample from Derek. The police returned to his home about two months after the murder. Derek agreed to give the police a sample of his prints, and they were a match. Derek Domke was confronted about his fingerprints and palm print being found in Rochelle's blood. He claimed they weren't his, and he was arrested with the, for the murder. In Derek's home, the police found 20-plus bags of garbage. A cover from a computer tower was also found in one of the bags. It was from the same make and model that had been stolen from the gas station, and the same type of cigarettes were found in Derek's room. It's believed that Derek was on drugs at the time and was desperate for money. He was... He went to the gas station to rob it, and he and Rochelle got into a confrontation. Rochelle was able to fight back, but Derek was able to overpower her. Derek had stabbed Rochelle after he had beaten her already. After the murder, Derek went back to his house and watched the gas station after he had killed Rochelle. In 2008, Derek Domke pleaded guilty to first-degree murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison. His request to withdraw his guilty plea was denied in 2010. After I watched this episode, I did some more research, and about 10 years after Rochelle's death, the gas station where Rochelle worked was killed had finally been demolished. The police worked really hard on solving this case. It could have been very easy for a small police force to just give up, but they had a suspect in mind the whole time and were able to prove it just several months after the crime. I truly hope Derek has shown remorse for what he has done. He may have been a drugged-up teenager at the time, but he brutally beat and stabbed a young mother to death. Rochelle's daughter, Isabel, was very young at the time. Rochelle was robbed of a life to spend with her family and watch her daughter grow up all over some money and cigarettes.
My book recommendation for this week is The One That Got Away With Murder by Trish Lundy. Be careful who you fall for. Robbie and Trevor Cressmont have a body count, the killer kind. Handsome and privileged, the Cressmont brothers have enough wealth to ensure they'll never be found guilty of any wrongdoing, even if all of Happy Valley believes they're behind the deaths of their ex-girlfriends. First, there was soccer star Victoria Moreno, Robbie's ex, who mysteriously drowned at the family lake house. Then a year later, Trevor's girlfriend died of a suspicious overdose. But the Crestmonts aren't the only ones with secrets. Lauren O'Brien might be the new girl at school, but she's never been a good, a good girl. With the dark past of her own, she's desperate for a fresh start, except when she starts a no-strings-attached relationship with Robbie. Her chance is put in jeopardy. During what's meant to be their last weekend together, Lauren stumbles across shocking evidence that just might implicate Robbie. With danger closing in, Lauren doesn't know who to trust, and after a third death rocks the town, she must decide whether to end things with Robbie or risk becoming another cautionary tale. A new girl at school turns heads, and so does the news of a third death. Two brothers who think they're the shit can get and can get away with anything. The new girl, Lauren, can't seem to resist Robbie, but Lauren is also hiding many secrets. Did the brothers really kill their exes, or is someone wanting them to look suspicious? Is Lauren really going to get to the bottom of who killed these exes, or is she going to stay in a relationship with Robbie? I really like the dynamics between Trevor and Robbie, but also the new relationship between Lauren and Robbie. I give this book a 9 out of 10. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I do apologize about the noise. It is a little bit staticky because I'm sitting in my kitchen right now. But I'd love to know what you think. Please subscribe to my blog. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter. Email me at itscrimeoclocksomewhere at gmail.com. Buy me a coffee and please leave me a five-star rating and review if you're enjoying this podcast. And please remember to be kind. I'll be back next week with an all-new case and book recommendation. And remember, it's crime o'clock somewhere.